0: Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome to the Mental Wellness Wake-Up Show, a weekly podcast where growth-minded, creative people come to learn best practices from both spirituality and psychology that create lasting well-being. I am your host, mental wellness expert, improvised acting teacher, therapist, and coach, Dawn McMillan. Let's get to it. What I want to do today is revisit this whole idea of your brain beating you up. Most of the feedback I've gotten recently about recent podcasts has been in relationship to the episode five tips to keep your brain from beating you up. And because that's really resonating with people, and because it's something that I continue to have to work on and struggle with, I thought it would be worthwhile to revisit it. So, as a refresher, one of the reasons we have so much suffering in our lives is because we fuse with our thoughts. In acceptance and commitment therapy fusion is an aspect of our well-being that we address quite vigorously because it's such a foundational piece. So the idea of fusion is when you forget that you are a thinker thinking the thoughts, and become a full-on subscriber, believer in those thoughts. You take them as real, important, and mandatory. So rather than understanding that I'm not good enough are just words that your brain has produced, we believe the thought, we invest in the thought, and we act from the thought. So one of the questions that has come up is, well, what are we supposed to do because you can't really spend all day every day distancing yourself from your thoughts. I mean, I suppose you could try, but you have so many thoughts and you have so many other things to do in a day that it doesn't really seem practical to monitor your thoughts. An argument could be made that certain people at certain levels of evolvement or enlightenment have diffusion, that separation between themselves and their thoughts as a default, are just that. So when we talk about fusion and defusion, that's really what we're pointing at. But to return to the point of, well, if I'm not at that point, if I haven't reached Zen master status, where I am always living from a space of being the observer, my thoughts are like clouds floating by in the sky. If we're not there yet, what is the degree that we want to engage in actively defusing from our thoughts? That's the question. So I think what's really helpful here is to return to a basic acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, 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 what's the word? Policy. No, it's not policy. A basic acceptance and commitment therapy idea. Thank you. Which is that we want to avoid digging into right and wrong, good and bad. And we want to stay in the realm of useful. We want to focus on the utility. We want to decide what is helpful in creating a life we want to live. So acceptance of what is and commitment to valued action. That's what the training or the therapy is about. So when you break that down a little bit, valued action is going to be a hint about whether something is helpful or not, whether it's useful or not. And when we take this to talking about whether we are fusing with our thoughts or not, or when to pay attention or not, we really need to narrow down into our values and our actions. Is what I'm thinking in alignment with my values? Is what I'm believing helping me to take action? Consistent, intelligent action in alignment with my values, my goals, and my dreams. So one way to start to look at it really is, does this thought, this belief disturb me? And there's a couple of categories, or a few categories rather, where thoughts can become sticky. One is a deeply held belief about ourselves, second about others, and third about the world. And these are kind of our rules, our heuristics, our this is how the world is. Those tend to be the ones that stick us the most. So for example, let's say that as a child, I was always picked last for sports. I might have developed any number of thoughts or beliefs about them. One might be, I'm bad at sports. Another might be, people choose me last. And then we sort of develop a rule around that. And the rule might sound something like, if we could give words to it, I'm always last place. Or some version of, I don't matter. And once we have a rule like that in place, it begins to drive the way our life works. And what's so sad and frustrating about the human experience sometimes is the nature of the self-fulfilling prophecy of it. So we're going through life, things happen, we make rules, we develop beliefs about ourselves, about others, about the world, all of which makes sense under the, in the context, right? If you are six years old and you're always being picked last for dodgeball, it's reasonable for you to develop some sort of thought or belief about it. Any six-year-old would. If you're a 22-year-old and you apply for 100 jobs and you don't get any, You might start to form a belief about what that means. So we're not behaving irrationally. Our brain is doing what it's designed to do. Our brain is is designed to make sense of the world. And it does it by two primary functions. One is by observing what's going on. And two is by comparing that to what it already knows. So once it compares it to what it already knows, it's like, what rule do I have? What belief do I have? What experience do I have that makes whatever just happened now here make sense? So it's great. It works most of the time. Where it gets us into trouble is when we're making these global beliefs, these rules, these understandings about life that aren't true and or that don't serve us. So one of the first ways you can tell whether you are in dangerous territory with a thought a belief, a rule, is how you feel. Are you in some sort of disturbance? Are you frustrated? Are you angry? Are you sad? Are you experiencing some sort of nervous system arousal? Has your fight, flight, or freeze system been activated? Do you want to, are you angry? Do you want to punch something? Do you want to run? Do you feel like crying? That's a good hint that maybe there's something worth exploring. And I don't say that to demonize any emotions at all. All of them are valid. All of them are messengers. All of them come to give us gifts. But when we're talking about, is this time for me to practice a diffusion technique so I'm not so caught up in whatever my brain is doing at the moment? These air quotes, negative emotions are a good clue. An argument can be made that, air quotes, positive emotions are sometimes fusion because they're also sometimes not based on reality. Either we can be delusional, feel good about something, <laughs> but we tend not to question our feel-good thoughts too much. Like We tend to just want to ride those or grasp onto them. But our negative, unpleasant, unwanted emotions tend to give us those bigger red flags. So here's what we do. We notice we're disturbed in some way. There is a disturbance in our energy field and our thoughts and our experiences. Then we want to catch what was the thought, the belief, the uh, experience that I'm making true or real, urgent, important, or mandatory. And here's where we get to determine whether that thought is worth keeping. You ask yourself, so let's, let's go with this thought that shows up for a lot of people. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. So we we capture that. Our disturbance is being triggered by something that causes us to open up our I am not good enough rule. And what we do with that is we ask ourselves, what happens in my life? What do I choose to do if I behave, if I behave according to that thought? If I believe that thought? So if I believe the thought, I'm not good enough. What happens? Well, maybe I don't try out for things. Maybe I allow people to be abusive toward me. Maybe I'm unwilling to get off my couch because why bother? Maybe I panic whenever anyone looks at me in the eye because I'm afraid they're going to see that I'm not good enough. What are the consequences of that belief? And if you have that little conversation with yourself what are the consequences of that belief and you like what you get then let it run let it rip let it be but if you explore what are the consequences of that belief and you don't like the outcome that's an opportunity to really engage with your diffusion techniques that's an opportunity to get some separation for example oh i am having the thought that i am not good enough So that's the difference. That's the difference. So Byron Katie has a really great technique called the work, which is a wonderful way of examining our thoughts for their usefulness. And it goes a little something like this. I'm having a thought and let's pick a new one. Let's pick a new one. I'm having the thought that I'm having the thought that I'm terrible at math. Okay. So the first thing you're going to ask in Byron Katie's system is, is it true? Is it true that I'm terrible at math? So you go through your little brain, you go through your history and you go, well, I never got higher than a C on any math test and I can't do math in my head. And I break out in a cold sweat just trying to figure out the tip when I'm at a restaurant. So yes, it is true. I'm terrible at math. Then the second question is, is it a hundred percent true? Is it incontrovertible beyond beyond a shadow of a doubt true that you are terrible at math? Would that hold up in court right beyond a shadow of a doubt is there no circumstance where you are there any exceptions anywhere at any time, and what does terrible at math even mean? So the second question is it a hundred percent true is invariably no. No, none of these beliefs that we have about ourselves or the world are without their exceptions, because there's a value judgment in them. And a value judgment is always an opinion. Even something so-called scientific, the sky is blue. Is it 100% true? Well, no, (laughs) from any number of perspectives, from talking about the light spectrum to what it looks like on a cloudy day. So first we ask ourselves, is it true? And we're often tempted to say yes, because we have this thought, because we have evidence for the thought being true. Then we ask ourselves, is it 100% true? Is there any moment, any exception, ever? Is there a value judgment in, in there? Is there a should? Is there a negative or positive word that expresses an opinion? So then we get to know that thought is not true. It is not hundred percent true. I am terrible at math is not a capital T truth. And then we get into the process I was just sharing with you. What happens if you believe that thought, what does it do to your relationships? What does it do to your money? What does it do to your motivation? What does it do to your self esteem? What does it do to your ability to take chances? Here's a far out example. What if I believe I'm terrible at math and I get offered my dream job only part of the dream job is doing a report that has numbers in it. Maybe I turn down this whole job which is 99% what I want to be doing because of that 1% that involves numbers and it intimidates me. So once you see that this belief isn't even true and you begin to find out what the cost of having it is, then you can move on to the next step in Byron Katie's work. And that is, can you think of any reason to keep this stressful thought? Can you think of a non-stressful reason to hold on to the thought? Or another parlance? Can you let it go? Is there any realm of possibility where you could let this belief go? You've already noticed that it's not actually 100% true. You've noticed that there's a price paid for having it. So is there a benefit to keeping it? A really good benefit that outweighs all the costs? Could you possibly let it go? And not asking you to, just wondering if you could let it go. And in my own process, I I slip in the Sedona method a little bit there. Can you let it go? Will you let it go? When? Can you let it go? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, sure. Sure eventually. (laughs) But when? Okay, in five minutes, I'm going to let that belief go. It's ridiculous, but believe me, it works. It helps put distance between you and the thought. So once you've decided there's no really good reason for keeping this thought, which has such a high price, you can start to explore what else might be true. What else might be as true or more true than I'm terrible at math? Maybe what's true is I'm not really good at the kind of math I had to learn in school and that's okay. Maybe it's, I haven't been very good at math, but I can learn what I need to, to do the things that matter. It could be, I'm not terrible at math. I'm not great at math. I'm just kind of okay at math and I've gotten this far, this far. So maybe that's okay too. And you start to think what else could be as true or more true. Because we want to stop obeying these thoughts that aren't real, that aren't true, that aren't helpful. So then you arrive through this whole process at a whole lot of diffusion from the thoughts. After doing this inquiry, even if the thought presents itself, having given the lie to it, having given the distance to it, it just doesn't have the power to control you in the way that it did before. And when it shows up in other slightly different variations, you can just keep doing it. And this is a major part of cognitive and behavioral therapy as well, challenging those thoughts. Challenging those thoughts. Are they real? Are they true? Are they important? Are they helpful? Is it even necessary? One of my favorite beliefs is that I don't have to have an opinion about everything. There are things that exist in the world about which I do not have to have an opinion. Maybe some of the beliefs of yourself fall into that category. Do you have to have an opinion about your math ability? Maybe you can just have whatever math ability that you have and use it whenever math is required without having an opinion about it. So there you go. There you go. We're back to that diffusion. Diffusion. And Byron Katie's The Work is a very helpful frame and that central question of what happens to me and my life when I allow myself to live from that thought, to believe that thought. And if you like the answer, then yay, let it rip, let it run, let it, let it be free, flee, free, let it fly. <laughs> But if you don't, maybe continue to do those things that loosen you from that thought. So, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. And please allow me in this moment to be someone who lets you know that whenever and wherever you are hearing these words, this is actually true, that you, beautiful human, are whole, perfect, and complete, just the way you are. You are worthy and deserving of all good things. And even as this lovely, divine, beautiful being that you are, you are allowed to grow and change. Until next time. I am so honored that you share time with me. If you've listened this far, then something here was of value to you. Would you please be a friend of the podcast and share it with at least one other person? The podcast is available on most platforms, including YouTube, and I need your help to get the word out. So please like, subscribe, and share, and a five-star review on iTunes would be chef's kiss. Thank you so much. See you next time.